This podcast is for the curious and for those seeking honest conversations about life and ministry. It's for those fully aware that we are in a moment in history that demands our attention and our intentionality. The world is about to turn, and this podcast is for those who seek to be co-conspirators with the Holy Spirit. Those who wish to affect the turn toward the one who offers life and life abundance in this world, in our weary world. It's for those that are committed to God's invitation to us as Church Together, as people in mission, responding to the demands of the Gospel. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so excited for this conversation. I'm so glad that you're with us today. As you may or may not know, I am Bishop Leila Ortiz. I have the honor and privilege of serving as the Bishop of the Metropolitan Washington, D.C. Synod. And today I have two very special and meaning, uh, just wonderful guests. I'm very excited to have with us our council president, um, Jennifer Slagle-Peck, and Pastor Ben Hogue, who is on the roster of our synod and is working from afar and working for the churchwide offices. Um, as always, I think if you've been listening with us, you have been just as surprised as I have um, just by learning who the people in our synod are. Um, and so today um, will be no exception. I will, I'm just curious to hear just something new, something different that you may um, also be surprised by and just getting to know the people that surround us and work with us and, and live out the gospel with us. And so today I, I want to invite um, our VP, um, Jennifer Slagle-Peck, to just share a bit of who you are. Um, what is it that, that motivates you? What is it that has made it so that you are here in this place, in this moment, and doing the particular work that God has called you to do at this time? Great. Well, thank you for having me, Bishop. Uh, again, my name is Jennifer Slagle-Peck, and I'm a lay leader in our synod. So I'm the vice president, and that means that I get the joy and privilege of working with the synod council and working with the synod staff. Um, my journey to get here, of course, uh, goes way back. I've always been part of the church. I don't mm -hmm. remember a time when my family didn't go to church. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we only came, became ELCA Lutheran when I was in fourth grade. Mm. Um, before that, we were at another congregation, and my family was very involved. My parents had leadership roles there, and we, of course, had friends. Um, but as my sister and I were getting older, my parents realized that they couldn't, in good conscience, raise us in a church or a congregation that wouldn't ordain women. Mm. And even though pastors are not in my family, so we don't have any, you know, rostered leaders in my family, and we, yeah, I don't think my parents really anticipated that when my, I was in fourth grade and my sister would have been in first grade, that we were necessarily on that path. Right. And of course, we were not on that path, but they felt it was important for us to be able to see mm. women in that role um, and not to grow up in a place where we would see limitations. Yeah. And so that was really the beginning of my awareness of what it means to be church and why we're there. 
and why we need to be inclusive and show our kids and show our community that we are all part of this group together and that we don't put limitations on each other. And so from there, growing up in that congregation in South Dakota, my parents were very involved and uh, my dad was the vice president of the synod there. And Mm. so I knew the bishop uh, as I was growing up and I had the honor of getting to know one of our first female bishops Mm. in the ELCA. Um, And so even though I, of course, as a high school student was not, you know, intricately involved in the decisions or anything that was going on. I could see that there was a woman in that role and see my dad work with her. Um, and that really meant the world to me. Yeah. So when I went to college, I found the Lutheran campus ministry and that really continued my journey of seeing the connection between my faith and justice. Mm. So You know, I grew up recognizing the importance of gender justice and racial justice. Uh, When I went to college, I saw I joined a community that was very open and affirming of LGBTQIA folks. Mm. And that was an important step for me to move into that space. Um, It was also a place where the church saw me and saw gifts in me and really spent time fostering those gifts. Mm. And so for me, the church has been a place where I have been invited to be myself, to grow, and to focus on a community larger than myself. So, you know, what does it mean to be an ally for someone or for a group that you don't identify as? Right. You know, why is that important? Um, You know, that's where I sort of was able to explore and come into my sense that, you know, this is an integral part of my faith. After college, I went to Seattle and I did Lutheran Volunteer Corps, where, again, we're just very focused on advocacy. And one of the things that I've been thinking about in preparation for today is sort of what I took from Lutheran Volunteer Corps and the sense of this quote that we had that sort of, you know, worked with us that year, which was, live simply so that others may simply live. Mm. You know, and this idea that the decisions I make for me matter for me, but they also impact others. And we need to be aware of that. And so I did Lutheran Volunteer Corps. And then ultimately, Dave and I moved out to the East Coast to do graduate school. And uh, my husband, Dave, is an ELCA pastor. And so we're very involved in our local congregation. And it has been a, a really wonderful place for us to raise our two girls um, and to give them the opportunity to step into these leadership roles, even though they're in elementary school. Mm-hmm. So we are now part of our local congregation where Dave is the pastor. And one of the things that we have really enjoyed about being a part of this congregation in particular is the focus on letting the kids be involved. So every single week at our church, you see small children reading the lessons, helping with communion, leading the prayers, um, in, in being engaged in the service projects that we do making lunches after church and, and giving those to the local elementary school um, and really connecting our sense of calling with our actions. Um, so it has been a really wonderful place for them to grow up and to, and to have intergenerational relationships where, you know, we, we're a part of a lot of organizations in our community, but church has been a really special place where You know, Harper, when she was in preschool, would start out sitting with me in worship and by the end of worship would be sitting with Phyllis, you know, (laughs) seven, seven decades her senior. Um, And it's just been a joy to watch them develop these relationships and see the world through other people's eyes. 
That's super helpful. And there's a thread, right? Because not only did you see gender and engage in gender justice, but you also became an attorney yourself, right? And yes. So, yes. so there, that is part of um, your narrative, your story, and how you've arrived to where you are. And, and um, we'll, I'm sure we'll hear more, but thankfully, because of your journey, we've been able to do some really um, meaningful and prophetic work here in our local setting. I also appreciate, Jennifer, um, how intentional you have been in always involving the girls, right? Always involving the kids since since I've met you. Um, the girls have always been a part of whatever whatever's happening in the church. Um, they were never on the margins. They're central. And so I really appreciate what it looks like for um, a family that's engaging their faith and not limiting any aspect of the faith or of the faith journey to one, to, to a couple people and not the whole. So thank you for that. Um, um, we, we will hear a lot more. Um, Pastor Ben Hogue, um, can you just share a bit of who you are and how you have arrived to the point of serving in the capacity that you serve and in the place that you are? Absolutely. Yeah, what a joy to be with you and um, to be able to consume and listen to this podcast and then to be a part of it as well. Um, yeah, Pastor Ben Hogue, I do serve the Office of the Presiding Bishop, specifically in the Development Office, a bit of a departure from what I ever thought my ministry would be. Mm-hmm. And yet um, the Spirit continues to remind me that this is a place that I am called. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like my story and the Lutheran, the ELCA are very connected in that the year that it was founded was the year I was born mm-hmm. and in many ways have grown up and through, um, our own growing pains. Right. And so to be kind of the same age as the institution in which I serve, um, and called from is is a, a really fascinating thing. Mm. It's community. It's Lutheran communities that reared me in so many ways. I think to my um, small town rural congregation in Western Colorado that um, you're. I, I just resonate so much with what you're saying, Jennifer. Um, being included, asking to serve. It really wasn't a. It really wasn't an ask more than an insistent, or it was just an <laughs> expectation. We all needed to do this together, and what a responsibility I had at an early age, and I loved, I loved that. Um, it also took me to a Lutheran university, California Lutheran, in where I got to see um, campus ministry and and church and a congregation in new and different ways, and meet with a congregation of folks my age, students my age, and. That was new and curious to me. That led me to a Lutheran camp, Rainbow Trail in Colorado, um, where I got to ask big questions and felt safe to do that. Mm. Um, And that, I think, was where, for me, the the seed of ordained ministry was planted. Mm. Um, It was on literally a mountaintop that somebody said, you know, have you ever thought about that? And I said, Definitely not. You know, um, for me and my, even my coming out process and my understanding of who I was and also who the church wanted me to be or who I could be within the church um, was a curious and um, interesting discovery for me. I then went to Peace Corps um, and I served in Ukraine for three years 
And that was a more personal faith journey Mm. as it wasn't a Lutheran institution, right? It was a government institution. And so there was no evangelism or really um, engagement around faith. That was a personal journey that I needed to take. I needed to study my own scripture, do that. Mm -hmm. And then from there went into seminary, Um, was called to a congregation on Capitol Hill in DC. So was blessed to be able to be ordained and serve in the Metro DC Synod. And then when I transitioned away from that call, um, I stayed and I wanted to continue to engage in the work of Metro DC Synod, kept my paperwork there, though now I serve the office of the presiding bishop. Um, I still very much identify myself as a pastor of the Metro DC Synod. And now I get to um, what's fascinating is is serve um, the communities that shape me and shape the ELCA. So I get to engage with generous congregations and donors from the East Coast. I cover a territory of D.C. through Maine and the state of Michigan, um, working with congregations and donors who give generously to the funds of the ELCA. So most notably ELCA World Hunger, Lutheran Disaster Response, Fund for Leaders, but then also International Women Leaders, Global Mission, um, YAGAM Missionaries, all of the the work happening outside of Chicago, outside of Higgins Road, in the world, in the communities, in the congregations. Um, And it's a really, it's a joy to be able to share the hope, share the joy, share the impact of what our collective ministry Um, because really this is God at work in the world and through all of us. And it's a, it's a blessing to be able to testify to that, to be able to share that boldly and boundlessly, if you will. Nice. Very nice. A segue into the theme of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. You're also, you also serve even from a distance, you serve on the candidacy committee of our Synod. And so, yeah, you have served to help discern, help, help our candidates discern their call, how to engage. You served as a relator and, um, in many cases, a confidant, right, to many of the candidates who are trying to figure this out while they're in seminary, before they're in seminary. Um, and so we thank you for your ministry in this place. Um, as as those of you who are listening know, we've been engaging our mission statement, um, which which we crafted together by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which is why it begins by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We are called to cultivate a bold and boundless love for Jesus and for God's beloved creation. That's the mission statement of our synod. And so we've been um, engaging in conversation and just just kind of um, breaking the statement down to articulate um, and try to discover what that actually means for us in this context, in this moment, in this time. And I've invited both Pastor Ben and Jennifer to join us today for this conversation around what it means to be bold and boundless because we have all done some very interesting things for the sake of the church and therefore um, for the sake of the world in this context and beyond. And so I'm, I I would love for us to begin a conversation. I try, we've tried to create a space that is 
honest and authentic and challenging and this this theme of being bold and boundless um i don't think there's any way for us to have the conversation without being honest mm. and maybe even a bit vulnerable about what that actually looks like not just what it means but practically what has it meant for us to be bold and boundless um in a way that is truly inspired by the holy spirit um and 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 therefore quite meaningful and essential for what it looks like to be church today. And so that's the conversation that we want to have today. And hopefully you'll engage with us online and you'll have some questions for us as well. One thing I will not prom promise is answers. We will probably not mm. have the answer, <laughs> but we will have many questions that we can engage together. And the Spirit always does what the Spirit does and reveals in ways that just give us life. And so we thank God for that. And so let's begin the conversation about what that has looked like for you um, to be bold and boundless. And I, I'd like to just dive in. Um, uh, Jennifer, you and I have been in ministry together now for two years. That's, that's right. Um, and then the, has it been more than that? Probably three. Three years. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. Two time. years as BP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot mm -hmm. of time has, um, and a lot of work has been done. And we began our work in a very interesting season. It was in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and there was a lot of civil unrest around issues of racism. And George Floyd was um, a very pivotal moment for us. So was um, what we experienced as the insurrection here in January, in, the, in January 6th. And so many things were going on. And I'll, I'll just be blunt. Um, for me, coming in, as, as a new bishop, happened to be the first woman, happened to be the first person of color, and now navigating that existence just in as a human being in this world, mm. and then to have to engage what that looks like and what that means in the church, in a church that is predominantly white, I had to be very honest with myself in, in um, articulating that I needed help, <laughs> right? And so I was blessed to be um, surrounded by a council and an executive committee that was willing to listen, even if they were um, just beginning to understand the gravity of the situation um, locally and beyond. And so in my asking for help, I, I said, I can say all the things. I can um, articulate the gospel. I can be theological. I can be political. And I can name the, 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 the justice issues that we're enduring in the world, in the church, and personally in my body, but for me to say the thing is very different than for the council, the, 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 the primary table of the synod to name the problem and try to be complicit in the solution or at least the, the possibility of a solution. And so that's where Jennifer <laughs> came in during that time um, and it was a struggle. And so I, I don't, I, I We've never had this conversation as to what it felt like for you um, to be in that process, to be in the middle of all that while you were navigating your own um, processes of what what's going on. <laughs> like, how do we face this? And mm -hmm. so if you can share a bit about what it meant for you to experience that moment and and how how you were quite bold and boundless in how you led and helped lead our Senate into potentially becoming an anti-racist Senate. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it brings you back to uh, <laughs> a lot has happened in the last three years. Yeah. Uh, when you asked me to join city council, I was filling a term, um, a partial term, and it was uh, just a member of the council from my conference. 
And this was something that, you know, I always thought could happen to me, uh, <laughs> that I would end up in, uh, on, a, on a church council of some sort. When I married Dave, my plan to be church council president was foiled, so synod council was a good place to land. Um, but it was really that first meeting in July of 2020 that got me hooked mm. because at that meeting we were talking about what are we going to say publicly yeah. about racial justice in this moment. And I thought, this is it. Like, this is what it means to be church. Mm. It means to engage in hard conversations. It means to be vulnerable with each other, to grow with each other mm -hmm. and to be willing to go out on a ledge and say something publicly. Yeah. Um, and, and we were also very focused on not just saying something, but backing it up with action. Mm -hmm. And so we worked through over the next couple of months, you know, what are we going to say? And then Pastor Ben and I and a group of others and, and Bishop, you were involved as well. We came up with a racial justice plan, which was our attempt to say, OK, we we said what we support and what we feel called to do. And now how are we going to do it? Yeah. Um, you know, getting to the point where we had the letter was difficult because to me it seemed so obvious. Yeah. And, you know, and yet even amongst a group of people who you think it's going to seem obvious to, uh, you know, it wasn't. And so we, we didn't have unanimous signs, you yeah. know, signatures on that letter, which was, you know, very troubling. Um, but, you know, one of the things that has come out of that is I think I have seen people grow mm -hmm. even when they didn't sign that letter. Mm -hmm. And so, one of the things I think we're called to do is to step out on the ledge, do what we think we need to do, and also be willing to acknowledge that it might take others a little bit more time and not to give up hope. So mm -hmm. just because somebody didn't do X, Y, Z in this moment doesn't mean that it's a lost cause. And so navigating that struggle is, you know, part of what it means to be bold is to be willing to continue to engage in that struggle, uh, even when it's not easy. Yeah. I think one of the gifts of our council, and I say this with all sincerity, and I've said it before because I think people are su surprised that this is how I see it, um, is that on our council is a representation of Virginia, Maryland, and D.C., and the reality is that we are not all of one mind. And the, you would think that the expectation for me, or people think that, that I want everyone to agree with me <laughs> and that anyone who comes on council needs to be on board with my philosophy, my theology, my way, my worldview. Um, but quite honestly, that's not what I want because on the council, the, the, the authority, authenticity of who you are, you represent a particular cohort of people um, that I'm also called to, right? And so as long as the council represents who we are as a synod, it's a more honest representation of what the work is. And not only that, we get to be, um, we get to experiment and engage and, and be in honest conversation, knowing that we don't agree, knowing still that we're all called and that we're invited into this work together, right? And so it's in that space of tension and disagreement and we're not all on the same page where I get to see the breadth of who we are as a synod and I get mm -hmm. to pray a bit differently and I get to plan a bit differently and I get to engage uh, in ways that are appropriate for whoever it is that I'm engaging. 
And so that moment, it was an eye-opener for me, right? Because for me, I mean, I have a different existence, right? And so for me, of course, it's a no-brainer. Please say something. Make sure that it's provocative. Make sure that it's pro prophetic because this moment um, <laughs> requires it, right? Um, and then to experience, oh, wait a minute, you know? Um, not everyone is on board and not everyone agrees. It was, I think initially it was hurtful because I was afraid, right? To be quite honest, I was very afraid in that season. And then to think, oh my gosh, the council doesn't see it, right? And doesn't realize that I'm afraid for my life and for the life of my friends and my family, right? Mm. I don't think they're seeing this. Um, but it helped me, right? Because if everyone had signed, it would have been disingenuous. And so I really do appreciate that people kept their integrity. Look, I don't agree. And just recently, I know that there, one of those people said, you know, I know that something had to happen, but I didn't agree that this was the way to go. And so I'm still struggling with what it is that we did or didn't do. And so even that is a helpful conversation because again, I don't serve a monolithic synod. <laughs> I serve mm -hmm. a very, very varied um, synod with a, with people who have very different experiences than I do. And so that, I mean, just showing up, to be quite honest, there are days that just showing up is a very bold move <laughs> for me. Um, and, and, and being in relationship um, alone is a boundless move for me because I have to transcend what it is that has kept others bound, right? Um, or keeps me bound in particular ways. And so- It reminds me- Yes, please, Ben. Oh, yeah, it reminds me a bit of um, the moderator, former moderator of the World Council of Churches who just recently passed away kind of mm -hmm. suddenly, um, Agnes Abam, I believe is her name, often would say when, she, she, she's a Kenyan woman, was the first woman, was the first African to hold that, that post. Mm -hmm. And uh, she would often say there's no room for dis there is room mm -hmm. for disagreement in the gospel. There's no room for disengagement mm. in the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I, and I just live into that so much of, you're right. I, I hear that there's, there's room. Yeah. Her words just ring true in a variety of ways as she was moderating this world, literal world council of churches, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there's room for disagreement in the gospel, but there is no room for disengagement. I always take that to heart um, and, and hear those when I hear others that are disagreeing, but still engaged, right? That are still able to work with it with me yeah. and with us. I mean, if only, right? If only mm -hmm. we, um, if we, if only we had the 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 role models, right, in our history to teach us that when we disagree, that doesn't mean that we need to disengage, right? Mm -hmm. And so much yeah. of what we see is, oh, you don't agree with me, out. I'm out the room. We have nothing to talk about. There's nothing. There's no way to move forward, right? Um, and yet we are disciples of Jesus. We are um, followers of Jesus. Engagement is should be part of our DNA, right? No matter what, we should be leaning mm -hmm. into relationship because God um, has called us to be bold and boundless in love for Jesus and for all of God's beloved creation, not just the ones who agree with us, which is 
again, that's a bold move right there, right? Because we're not always safe with people who disagree with us. Um, and we, we, we don't always have the opportunity to be boundless, um, especially if the, the resistance is so strong that they can't see beyond themselves, right? Um, or we can't see beyond ourselves and beyond our experiences, right? Like we need to convince the other. Uh, yeah, I, one of the things that I've always said is that I don't believe that justice... Um, that leads to that nothing that leads to transformation and liberation is um, the method should never be bullying. Like bullying doesn't do it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Bullying only creates more walls and creates more division and more defensiveness. But if you actually engage and lean into relationship and learn people's names and learn people's stories, as we've been listening today to your stories and my story, um, there, there's a possibility for liberation and transformation, right? It's in relationship. It's not in insisting that you see the world the way I do. And it's not in saying the way you are and the way you do life is wrong, um, full stop. That's never going to get us to a place where we can reflect the kingdom of, of God, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, Ben, um, I saw you on the cover of a magazine. <laughs> the title of the magazine said Boundless. And I said, uh, okay, so what does this mean? Um, and so I'd love for you to share just a bit of maybe the experience, but also what that means to you to be boundless in your faith and in your work and in your living um, I didn't read yeah. the article. I just saw you on the on the cover. So so <laughs> tell us a bit of what of what that was about and how you're feeling about that. Yeah, you know, they when they contacted me, um, they sort of had asked um, to do a quick story, a spotlight on somebody who was a fund for leader um, scholar who, who who had received a fund for leader scholarship, and we want to write this little piece about you, and then. I get this magazine and I'm on the cover. Um, I was privileged enough to be asked to preside at um, closing worship at the at, in at churchwide assembly um, in Milwaukee, 2019. And yeah. so that was the photo that they used of of us doing remembrance for baptism. But I was surprised again, surprised that here I was on the cover. They they kind of undersold this this story. And then it, there it said boundless, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and I, it meant a lot because it was a bit of um, this conversation that I had with the person who wrote the story. Um, it, it shared my story. I, as you just mentioned, stories are so powerful. Stories mm -hmm. allow others to relate to us in new and different ways to be able to see each other in one another, no matter the differences. Um, and it was an honor to be able to have my story in that boundless magazine. Um, in seminary, my I sort of my world was rocked a little bit when I learned of the word tehom, mm. um, and it's hard, it's the the Hebrew word tehom used in Genesis. God creates the world. Genesis, early Genesis, right? And we translate it to abyss. Um, but after like speaking with some of my, with Hebrew scholars and, and folks that Jewish um, friends and it's bigger as like, how can it be bigger than abyss? Right. But also the, it, it's that God created 
the vastness, we can't even imagine what Tehom is, even if we think of abyss, even if we think of space and all that's out there, it's bigger than that. And I love the fact that God can do something with that, mm-hmm. right? And and God works <laughs> with Tehom, um, creating something out of that. And that for me, is just a lovely understanding of what boundless can mean, to mean like, what is this? What is here? And know that God can do something with it. Um, my story, a, a, a bit of a kind of what happened with that story, I got a message on Facebook one day, and it wasn't from somebody that I knew. So it was in those one of those like message requests kind of spam folder on, on your Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I go to it and this gentleman had sort of said, I just read your article in this magazine and I connected with it so deeply. Like you are who I hoped when I was younger would be able to lead, Mm. be a leader in the ELCA because he wasn't able to see himself as a gay man. And, and I was proud to be able to put that in that story. And honestly, I, you never know what, they're going to use in a story that's going to be sent to donors. And I was really proud that he then said, thank you. And he gave a gift Mm. because of that. (laughs) And, and I just, and this is when I was not in any sort of fundraising capacity, I was not working for the ELCA, but something we were able to connect in that small way. He was able to see himself in my story and that's what it's been for me. I have been able to see myself in other stories who have walked before me. So it was a really beautiful moment to say, wow, here's God doing something with this vastness that I will never be able to even comprehend um, the depths of. God doing something, even with the vastness. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, let's talk about hope and faith and assurance not in our capacity right not in our ability but Mm -hmm. in the promise of who god is that god will do what god does with what god wants to do it with right Mm -hmm. and with whoever that's that's really helpful um one of the things that that uh, motivates a lot of the work that I get to do um, serving as bishop here is that I I often think to myself, um, what do we have to lose? Like what what is the boundary that we have um, either created for ourselves or that the the systems have created for us that are um, imaginary? Right, that they're only in the mind, they're only mm. in our minds, and and what could we potentially do, knowing that in Christ there really is nothing to lose, especially if you are working and leading by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Right, what would it look like for us to be boundless in our approach to the gospel, um, and what would it look like for us to truly be boundless in love? Right. Um, One of the things that we've been kind of consistent around in this podcast is that I I always want to bring the conversation to the whole body of the family, Um, Mm -hmm. not just the adults, not just the young adults. But I'd like some conversations to happen in the car and with your kids and at the table when you're having dinner or breakfast. Um, 
And so what does it look like? Um, not just not just what does it mean philosophically or even theologically, but what does it actually look like to be bold and boundless in love? Um, how how have you been able to see it or experience it or be complicit in being bold and boundless in love, Jennifer? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that I keep coming back to is this idea that it's an invitation into hard work. Mm. So, you know, whether that's on synod council or whether that's with our kids in the car, um, you know, I, I, I love watching things with my kids or reading something. And then like every 30 seconds we're stopping to discuss. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, is that really the appropriate way to respond in that situation? Yes or no. <laughs> what would you have done? What do you think would happen if this happened? What do you think should happen? Mm. You know, having these conversations, um, and sometimes they're hard because of the, the topic is hard. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're hard because I'm just tired. Yeah. It's the end of the day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but sort of being willing to engage in those conversations. Um, there was some quote that came up in my life during the pandemic that was something around like, you're, you know, we really get to know each other like when we're tired, mm -hmm. <laughs> something mm -hmm. like that. Like the, it's not about how you're acting when everything is going well and yeah. you've had a full night's sleep. It's about how you respond when things are hard. Mm -hmm. um, and so I try to keep that in mind that like, yep, this is hard mm -hmm. and we're going to keep going with this mm -hmm. because this is what we're, we're doing in this moment. Yeah. And and if it requires for us to be bold and boundless, it's it's likely to be countercultural, right? It's likely mm. to meet resistance. It's likely to have people disagree, right? Because otherwise, why be bold? I mean, you wouldn't be bold right. and boundless mm -hmm. if it's just like everything else, like yep. every other day, right? So um, for you, Ben, has there been anything in particular that you can think of that either has pressed you to be or that you've witnessed it or been a part of it? Yeah, you know, I do think that what I love about bold and boundless is that it looks different for everyone. Mm -hmm. And we know that as the body of Christ, we're all called to do what we do. Um, and and I just I to be able to be able to see somebody and say, "Wow, what a bold person! What a bold person!" And then to say, "But." I can do that too in my own way, in my own unique, what does that mean? Well, for some, it might be simply being a lector, being a reader, right? For the first time, that's mm -hmm. a bold act of faith. Mm -hmm. for, for somebody else, um, I think of a young adult that came through our congregation, unchurched, was really curious about what this whole Christian experience was all about and um, and for her, it was a bold act was to tell her family that she was considering being baptized. Mm. Um, and and that was bold for her when oftentimes we think of baptism as let's just let's bring this baby up. And and we don't think of that necessarily as bold, but what a countercultural understanding, even with that baby to say, we're going to do this together in community when it's good when it's bad that's bold love and boundless love so i think what i love about it is we can reflect for ourselves to say how can i be bold and boundless take that next step that might be 
lead us to something big, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the showiest or the most prophetic, mm-hmm. but for you in your life, what could bold and boundless mean? Um, I think sometimes I am willing to say some hard things and to be able to call people out or call people in because People have been bold in their faith, bold in the relationships that we have, trusting that it's centered in Christ, to be bold enough to call me out or call me in. And I've needed that. And I think that that's what I see. I also know and and have been inspired by some acts of people within the ELCA of bold and boundless acts because of their love for the church, but their love for Christ as well. And so um, I, I just love that it's very contextual and that um, when when asked to sort of speak about this and, and think about being bold and boundless, just uh, literally around <laughs> the email came in and as you shouldn't do, I read my email while this meeting was happening. And I just thought like each one of these people on this call is bold in their own unique way. And it's so different than me. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Um, which I just love that, that how can I be, what am I doing and what's next for me? What's the next thing that might be out of my comfort zone that might make me quiver a little bit, but knowing that God's got me, that that I am following in the footsteps of the one who did the boldest of acts, right? And and it and it led to something extremely hard and difficult and painful, literally, but also incredible um, and life giving, literally. Literally, I think that. Um like you said, context matters, lived experience matters. And sometimes being bold is actually forgiving. Um, Mm. it's, it's actually, you know, just leaning into, um, healing and even saying I need help. Right. Um, that's bold. That's really resting, (laughs) resting, resting when society and, as I usually say, everyone and their mom is saying, you got to keep going um, because that that shows the value. Your value is dependent upon how busy you are. Right. Because that's what the culture has said um, to say, no, um, because I have value, I'm going to rest. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm curious and hopeful for anyone who's listening. Um, I think our spirits know what it means for us to be bold. Um, Like you said, each one of us on this call are very different and the call to be bold for each one of us is, is different. Um, And again, like you said, thanks be to God for that because we need each other to be bold. And not only we need each other to be bold, but we need each other to inspire the other to be bold. Right. One of the things that I've observed, for instance, in Jennifer is that Jennifer has very strong boundaries, she doesn't like it. She's going to let you know. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Right. And if she does like it, she also lets you know. Right. So she's going to articulate um, what is necessary in the moment and she'll do it graciously. That's bold because not everyone is able to do that and um, be OK. Stay in good relationship. Right. Um, and with you, Ben, I have seen you say, like you've already said, um, I've seen you say some really hard things, really, really that could be. <laughs> this is going to be kind of it could be soul crushing <laughs> the, the mm-hmm. things that you have said and and the way but the way that you have said them aren't soul crushing 
they're, they're heard, right? And so God has given you a gift to be able to say what's necessary in the way that the person can hear it, right? Not everyone has that particular gift, and yet it is a very bold move. You never know how the person's going to react, right? Um, but I've witnessed what it looks like to be bold and prophetic and faithful in each of you. And so I'm grateful to the difference in your particular gifts. And I I, I, I want us to also say and, and just reiterate what you said, Ben and Jennifer, right? That the to be bold is not to be a superhero, right? To be bold might mean, you know what? Today I really don't want to get out of bed, but I will, <laughs> right? I'm going to get dressed and I'm going to get out of this room and I'm going to breathe fresh air because the bold move today is to say yes to life, right? Mm. Life matters, right? I matter. I, it matters that I live um, in ways that are bold and boundless for me today, which will likely be not only for your benefit, but for the benefit of others, right? Which was, which was what you were saying, Jennifer, that everything that we do has an impact on the other. Mm -hmm. And so um, as we close, do you have any last thoughts um, that might, might inspire the hearer, however simple you think it may be, it may just land in the way that um, those who are listening need to hear. Jennifer, is that or anything? Yeah, the the word that is sticking with me through our last few comments here is being authentic. Yeah. And the idea that, you know, it seems so simple. Just be yourself. Just be yeah. authentic. We tell our kids that. Um, yeah. But that can be very difficult, and it, it requires you to be bold and boundless. And just this thinking through these issues, sometimes they feel so big and mm -hmm. so crushing. Um and then there's just actually an easy solution. It's yeah. like, how about you take a minute to figure out what you need in this moment? Like, what do you want? Mm -hmm. Where do you need to be? What is going to get you there? Um, and so being authentic for yourself and sort of circling back to what you said, Ben, about uh, it, we're all going to do this in a different way. Yeah. So being authentic mm -hmm. for me looks one way. And if somebody sees me be authentic, maybe it will inspire them to be authentic. And I know I certainly feel that when I see other people be authentic or acknowledge their shortcomings. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the mentors I've had in my career, one of the things that I really took away from her is that she would just say, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times law firm partners are not willing to say that, yeah. um, but she was, and that was bold. Mm -hmm. um, and so I tried to lean into that and acknowledge where I have limitations, where I don't know the right answer. Um, and so, you know, thinking through how, how to just be yourself and knowing that that is going to be hard in certain circumstances, um, but letting you sit with that and try to be in that space. Yeah. To be bold and I think to be authentic is to be bold and boundless in love for yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And because you love yourself, you're able to make an impact beyond yourself. Yeah. Ben. Yeah. And I, I mean, the a saint mentor of mine, somebody that I never met, but whose readings have impacted me a lot. His name is Joel Warkin, was an ELCA seminarian until he was removed from Kennedy for being out gay man. Um but he has a collection of writings and sermons and he wrote, and it sticks with me, it was my installation, but 
um, the greatest gift God gives us is the grace to be ourselves mm-hmm. and um, that grace to be authentic, right? To be able to do that. And I think for me, um, it also comes to relationships. And I think I can only be as bold and be as um, boundless in love for Christ and God in hard times, in difficult things, is because I trust in the relationships that I have with people, personally, professionally. Um, and I know that we're doing this with God as a co-worker. We are co-workers for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we are able to be as bold. We are able to be as boundless because of the relationships in which we have. There's a reason that when you do community organizing training, you talk a lot about one-on-ones, which doesn't sound flashy, which doesn't sound big. And there's no signs. There's no pro. There's no meetings. It's a, it's a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it's a zoom call. It's as simple as who are you? What's your story? And I think when we know that, when there's that relational aspect, that's when we are able to be bold and boundless together. Again, even if there's disagreement, even if there's a different ways of looking at it, even if it's different backgrounds, um, different ways of looking at the world, we're still able to be bold and boundless. I, I, last quick story, but I was a part of a worship service between um, Extraordinary Lutheran Ministries and ADLA, um, the African descent um, Lutherans of the ELCA. And it was this incredible worship service Um, where we got to come together to speak and to worship together, but also understand that we're coming from very different places. And I will never um, forget that um, the Reverend Dr. Denson Byers was able to just preach this sermon on Acts 10, but she knew that she could preach this sermon that called all of us out, a queer black woman called all of her communities out in relationship because it was centered in the gospel of Christ. Right. And so it's those relationships in which we can be bold and boundless. And we trust, we trust that our siblings in Christ will be able to walk that with one another. So I take great, great comfort and work hard at maintaining and keeping those relationships, even when it can be difficult. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think, too, the relationship um, with the divine, with the Holy Spirit that is inviting us into the fullness of who God created us to be. I think Mm -hmm. it's really bold to say yes to who God created us to be. Right. For us to show up in our fullness. And there are certain things that are stirring up within our own spirits that sometimes I mean, this has been my experience. I'm like, is anyone else seeing this? Is anyone else (laughs) feeling this? And I remember once I went to the American Academy of Religion and Katie Cannon, um, which alive then um, woman is theologian. She said, you know. Um, whenever, whenever something stirs up in you and you look around and it's not written, it's not said, it's not told, it's because it's for you to write and say and be, and, and speak it into, into existence. Right. And so I think that there may be people that are listening today, that there's something brewing in their hearts and their spirits and their soul that they're looking around, they're looking for that thing, that space, that word, it's not there. And it's probably because it's within you to share. And so Mm -hmm. 
it's bold to say yes to that invitation of the spirit to just be and speak. Um, even, even when your bodies shake and your voice quakes, it's, it's bold to show up and say what needs to be said in the spaces that need to be, that where it needs to be said. And so I want to thank you both for sharing your heart, your stories, your, um, your worldview, your experiences into what it means for us to be bold and boundless and not only to remain bold and boundless in ourselves, but to expand that into the family, expand that into relationship with community, expand that as a church, as a world um, that is in such desperate need for authentic relationship, loving relationship, unconditional love um, where everything has a condition, right? That we mm. get to be... Um, uh, co-conspirators in that beautiful act of loving boldly and boundlessly for the sake of for the sake of life for the sake of mm. life itself for the sake of being able to breathe and say yes right to to living and to life so thank you both thank you those for those who are listening and have been with us these several weeks um, we're looking forward to what the spirit is stirring will continue to stir and how it is that we will be witnesses to how um, we live out a bold and boundless love for jesus and for all god's beloved creation again thank you jennifer thank you pastor ben this has been such a gift and so continue to join us as we discover and uncover um, what it looks like when the world is about to turn and we're in the middle of that space and turn mm -hmm. and, and, and reality. Thank you all. I hope you'll come back and I hope that you will share with others and ask us questions and engage in the wonderment with us because there's so much to discuss and so many relationships to form. So thank you. Blessings, everyone. Amen. For the time.